Hello, welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. What time is it? It is, oh, <laughs> it's 8.50, it's almost 9 o'clock. Uh, I just got back from the cinema, I was watching uh, Tom Cruise. I was watching Top Gun. Uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, especially on the big screen, you get to really appreciate all those aerial shots. Apparently they filmed them. Uh, in the actual aircraft, uh, the actors had to film themselves in the aircraft so there was no green screen. Uh, interesting happened. Interesting thing happened just before the movie. I was outside taking a photo of the poster and one guy uh, came out to me and said, um, have you seen it yet? Uh, I said, um, I'm just about to go, go into the cinema. He said, oh yeah, I watched it last week. I said, uh, any good? Said, yo, wow, you, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> and apparently he had watched it last week. Um, he wants to come back to watch it again on IMAX. I couldn't work out whether he had just watched it again. That was why he's in the cinema. Uh, but yeah, he wanted to watch it again. And yet again, he said, oh, you know, uh, just for the audio, just for the sound, he wants to go to Leicester Square. Apparently there they have this fancy audio setup and so uh, he wants to go all the way there to watch it on that screen in that cinema because he really really enjoyed it and i was thinking wow this is a very natural evangelist <laughs> because it really just overflowed from him it was like he was looking for someone to tell you know he, he wasn't employed by tom cruise uh he didn't get anything out of it except that he just wanted to share that excitement that joy with someone who hadn't seen it yet you know, I was saying, you know, you hear a lot of this hype, you know, you can't tell whether it's good or not. I said, it is, it is. And he was just so infectious with his enthusiasm and again, his evangelistic nature. You know, he just wanted to share something that he knew was very, very good and he wanted to not keep it to himself. Yeah, I think uh, I was very convicted by that. Yeah, and, and he was. It, it, I, mean, I mean, it was okay. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a good movie, but... I mean, I'm not going to bug all my friends and say, oh, you need to go watch it. But yeah, he did. Uh, and just because of that, I was very convicted by his enthusiasm. I think evangelism should happen that way. There should be a kind of a natural excitement and desire to want to share something that you know to be good. And you don't want to keep to yourself. You want someone else to experience that same joy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But it, it, it is a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, um, Acts chapter 5. Uh, let me pray and let's look at as much of Acts as we can manage tonight at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday evening. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the good news of the gospel that really does change our lives. Help us to taste it, to savor it, uh, to really take it in um, and... Um, I guess if you were to share it, to share it from a place of experience, uh, to know and have tasted how good the gospel is and to want to share that goodness with others. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Uh, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, 
Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself some part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? I think this, this point in verse 4 is so important. You know, it was always yours. You could do with it whatever you wanted. To, you know, you could spend it on a fancy car. You know, um, you didn't have to give it to the church. Um, it, it was up to you, but he did, and he put on an act. Yeah. Um, and so picking up from verse 4 again, why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. He died. <laughs> the moment he, hear, he heard uh, Peter convicting him, you know, why did you contrive to uh, lie to God? Uh, and so he died immediately, and great fear came upon all who heard it. Verse 6, the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, after an interval about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, why is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, she died. When the young men came in and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. So really scary incident of two people dying because they wanted to put on this act in church. They wanted to look good. And... Um, look good while giving money to church, you know, not look good while killing someone, you know, while stealing money, uh, but they want to look good uh, for doing something that to them was good, but it was a lie, you know. Um, yeah, uh, they kept back parts of the proceeds of their life. They didn't give everything um, that they said they, they were giving. Uh, I think this is um, uh, framed... Uh, in light of what Barnabas did in the previous chapter. So we looked at this yesterday uh, in chapter 4 at the end. Um, Barnabas, verse 37, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money, and they did at the apostles' feet. And everyone called him son of encouragement. Wow, that guy is so encouraging. Well, look at how generous he was, how good he was. And maybe, maybe Ananias and Sapphira were there Maybe they wanted that kind of attention for themselves as well. So they did the same thing, but they didn't give as much. They lied. They lied about how much they gave, but they wanted the same kind of kudos. So the motivation wasn't there. It wasn't out of sincerity. They wanted the attention. They wanted the, you know, the applause. It shows how dangerous is it? it is to try to lie to God. Um, yeah could kill you. <laughs> but I think God was trying to use this as an example because twice it says great fear came upon the whole church. Verse 5 and verse 11. Great fear came upon the whole church. 
Uh, moving on, verse 12. I don't know. Is there anything else to get from this? Uh, maybe I'll, I'll think of something. I'll come back to it, but I'll move on for now. Verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So this description of people bringing the sick, bringing those with uh, unclean spirits, and all of them experiencing this healing, obviously that explains the attraction of all this crowd. Uh, but again, worth noting that these were the exact same miracles that were done by Jesus. So the apostles were carrying on the work of Jesus, including the miracles. And it was a sign of authentication that they were the real thing, that they were representatives of Jesus. And the miracles marked the messenger. Uh, the miracles said that these apostles were authenticated by God to preach the message of the gospel. So they go hand in hand, the miracles and the messenger. Um, anything else to say? Um, interesting thing about you know the shadow people laid them on the street so that if Peter walked by and then his shadow would fall on them I think they expected it to have an effect uh, on those who were you know lying on the mats hoping to have the shadow fall on them maybe to heal them it doesn't say that they were healed but it says that there was this expectation it explains how they get they got all this attention um but also verse 14, believers were added to the Lord. So the church grew more and more and more. And all this in light of the death of Ananias and Sapphira. So I think uh, the fear together with this admiration, the fear together with these miracles, um, kind of gave a weightiness to what God was doing in building his church. They knew it was from God. It wasn't a popular kind of thing. You know, today you might have a large group of people coming to an event or even to church because a large group of people are already there. You know, they're just attracted by this crowd. It's just fun to hang out with lots of people. But one thing very unmistakable about the reason for this crowd was that God, you know, God was doing something in this church. You know, this fear of God that caused Ananias' fire to get killed. You know, obviously, <laughs> you know, if you go to you, you go to a church and someone tells you someone died here, you know, I'm not sure that would be a very attractive thing <laughs> to use as a reason why you should come to this church, because if you lie to God, you'll get killed. But it just, it puts in that seriousness that the reason they're there is because they know God has planted this church, God is working in this church, especially through the apostles. Verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and people, and sorry, speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So they put him in prison, but the angel releases them. Uh, 
and releases them not to go away, but to go and preach. You know, they're in trouble because they are preaching. And so now they're, they are released so that they can continue on preaching. Worth noticing that. You know, the reason why you get into trouble is for maybe speaking about Christ, living for Christ, and say God delivers you from that trouble. The purpose of that is so that you will continue on <laughs> preaching for Christ, you know, living for Christ. Not so that you can stop doing that and, you know, live a life of comfort. You know, they, they're almost uh, saved so that they continue um, living a life that reflects that salvation, living a life of faithfulness. Uh, verse 21, Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them and found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what would come to, what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. This phrase of being afraid of the people, we saw this last week uh, with the same group of leaders, you know, Ananias, the high priest, and all the leaders, they were afraid of the people because they had done the miracle and they were, you know, they were held in high regard. Uh, that was talking about Peter and John. That was back in chapter 4. But now again, in chapter 5, you know, they're afraid of the people because, um, yeah, they're afraid of being stoned by the people. You know, they mishandled the apostles. So they went and brought them not by force. They said, no, please, please come with us. <laughs> Verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. So there's a boldness. You know, we told you not to do this. But they say we must obey God rather than men. And um, they preach the gospel to these men who are trying to kill them. You know, they you killed him you know, by hanging him on the tree, verse 30. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior. And so they're calling them to repent of what they did to Jesus and rejecting him and killing him. And uh, realizing, how do I put this? They could kill them as well in the same way that they killed Jesus. Now, they've just charged these leaders. They said, you guys killed that guy. You imagine, you imagine say, you saw a murder <laughs> on the street. You're a witness to that murder. And you go out to the murderer. Hey, you. I saw you kill that person. Wouldn't you be afraid that they will kill you as well? <laughs> you see, that's the thing, right? The same group of leaders had the power and had the gall, you know, had the, had, the, had, had, had the boldness to kill Jesus. And here you are accusing them of doing that. Don't you think they'll kill you as well? But that's, again, that boldness of speaking out even if it meant 
that they would face the same death, the same end as Jesus. Um, verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. <laughs> there you go. They, they wanted to kill these apostles because they were exposing them, because they were insulting towards them. Yeah. Verse 34, but a Pharisee in a council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor before by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put a man outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. So what was this advice? A very wise man named Gamaliel stands up. He says, put these guys outside. I just want to speak to you, you guys directly. So they put the apostles out of the room. And he says, you know, do you remember uh, there was that troublemaker? Who, who was it? Um, <laughs> who was he talking about? Theodos. There was a guy named Theodos. Uh, he raised an army. He caused a lot of trouble. And then he was killed. And then he mentioned another guy, Judas, the Galilean, uh, did the same thing, caused a lot of havoc, was killed as well. And so, uh, essentially he's saying, leave them alone. You know, if they're trying to cause trouble, they'll be killed, you know, they'll come to nothing, because if it's from man, you know, it will fail. But, verse 39, if it is from God, you will fail. You will not be able to overthrow them. So, What's he saying? On the one hand, it makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, don't oppose them if they're from God. You know, it sounds that way. You know, why are you trying to fight against God? And many people take that kind of view that maybe um, Gamaliel is almost trying to speak on behalf of God. You know, why are you opposing God? I don't think so, because I think rather he's trying to reason that they're not from God. He's saying, you know, if they're from God, oh, wow, you know, you know, you, you need to fear them. You, you can't stop them. By saying, if they're from man, I think that's what he really thinks they're from. You know, these guys are just, you know, they have too much energy. They just cooked up the story. You know, if they're just young, very enthusiastic people, they will fail. And he actually is saying, you know what? They're going to fail. So don't waste your energy. Just wait it out. Let them do their, their thing, you know, uh, they might have some popularity in the short term, but you know what? They're going to fail. And I think there's something very, very dangerous about that. Because, how do I put, how, why is it dangerous? Well, it's saying that, you know, success is a measure of God. It's, it's almost a version of the prosperity gospel. That means, you know, if you succeed, oh, wow, you know, God must have blessed it. If you fail, um, yeah, God isn't blessing you. God's not with you. Remembering that Jesus died on the cross and to them, that looks like failure. I was talking to a couple of friends a few days ago um, about you know, what it means for a church to be faithful 
to be still preaching the gospel, to still call people to repentance, for the leaders to still be humble and to lead godly lives. So what, what it means for that church to be faithful if it doesn't look very successful. And I just said the very obvious thing. I mean, we know that this is true. It shouldn't matter. If anything, we should be more faithful when times are tough so that we are faithful with few, we'll be faithful with plenty. And that's the way the gospel works. You know, uh, We're meant to show faithfulness in and out of season. But you see, it's very, very hard if you've come from a tradition or from a history where you've been successful, where things have been good for years or maybe even decades, and then suddenly there's this dip. You know, everyone's experiencing a dip. You know, after COVID, you know, numbers are dropping, less leaders, less enthusiasm. People just want to get back to their own lives. They don't have time to you know, go to Bible study, these kind of things. And you know, sometimes you know, even the church leaders are feeling kind of like insecure. And you know, we know, we know that actually faithfulness means you know, it doesn't matter whether things pick up or not. But it does affect us. You know, we do wonder, are we being unfaithful? Should we try something else? You know, or maybe you want to even be envious of the other people who are maybe um, not as faithful as us in our eyes and yet are doing better than us. And I said to them, what they really, I said to my friends, you know, we're having this discussion about church and saying, you know, I know it, it really shouldn't matter, right? And, um, and that's the opposite of what Gamaliel is saying. Gamaliel is saying, if you're faithful, things will do well. If you're not faithful, you'll fail. And it's almost like um, you imagine you are a very successful, vibrant church. And then you point to all the other churches around you who aren't doing as well as you. And you say, ah, you see, you need to learn from me. I'm so faithful. That's why God is blessing me. Now, we wouldn't dare say it out like, out like that. But sometimes, sometimes it's tempting to think that way. You know, everyone's coming to our church. Everyone's coming along. And we say, oh, wow, you know, it must be because of all the Bible teaching. It must be because years and years and years we have no scandal here or we these kind of things. And the truth is, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> because, you know, there are churches, there are such things as churches which are just as faithful, just as, um, uh, just as biblical, you know, just as godly who don't have your numbers and you shouldn't look down on them. And maybe sometimes because we have been looking on them, down on them, God might give us a season where we might be humbled, where we might experience not so much success. You know, apostles are thrown into prison again and again and again. What do they do? They are even more faithful, they're even more bold. And maybe if you're in that situation whereby you are like, you know, experiencing this difficulty, this season of dryness, this is the time to be even more faithful even more bold with the gospel. Yeah, see. Um, what, okay, what happened? Uh, verse 40, sorry, verse 39. So they took his advice and when they called in apostles, they beat them, <laughs> charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They whacked them and then warned them. Um, okay, yeah. Very cheap shot. Yeah, they say, oh yeah, of course, of course we know that, you know, uh, they can't be from God, but they still whack them. They, they still warn them and they still threaten them, bully them. You know, bullies, you know, there's a lot of, I was listening actually to a podcast today by Mark Dever on T4G, a really, really good conference. And this episode was about authority and abuse of authority that can be 
very serious or it can even happen in a small way. And one of the, one of the marks of that smallness of misuse of authority is simply bullying. You know, you talk down to people or um, you know, talk bad about them. Yeah. Uh, verse 41, Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from the house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They kept doing it. <laughs> they warned them not to do it. They kept doing it all the more. They said, oh, you guys, you know, we're going to beat you. We're going to threaten you. They actually did this more and more. And that's faithfulness. You know, faithfulness means, um, especially when times are bad, you're still trusting in God. You're still obeying God. Not in order to get to be when times are good, you know, it's, of course it's easy to do that, but when times are bad. And it's just worth pointing, I think I'll end here with just la this last verse, verse 41. Sorry, the last verse, verse 42, but I want to go back one verse to verse 41. It says there in verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor in, for the name, for the name of Jesus. So going, yay, we've just been beaten. <laughs> it's kind of so strange, right? Yay, you know, we just suffered defeat. Almost like, again, that church, yay, our numbers are dropping now. Or yay, you know, people are talking behind our backs. Or yay, you know, people are, you know, stabbing our backs, that kind of thing. Why would you say yay? Uh, I don't think they're going yay. I think they're rather going few, few. Wow, we are now suffering the same kind of rejection as Jesus, suffering as Jesus, and dishonor in the name of Jesus. It's almost as if you need to undergo suffering in order to display, or even for your own sake, to undergo suffering to, to see, hey, am I really a Christian? Am I really doing this for the right motives? And... I don't know whether I'll say this on behalf of other people who are, you know, doing ministry, but I think I'll say it for myself. Sometimes I do wonder, you know, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know, it's, it's, it, you know, you, you doubt your own motivations. And especially when things are going well, that's the time when you really do question, hey, you know, am I doing this just for, you know, the money, which I don't get any attention, two guys on, on YouTube, whatever, not, not a lot, but... You know, it's very, very tempting for you to do it for the wrong reasons. And sometimes when things go badly, you know, when there's nothing in it for you at all, if anything, it costs you, it's painful, it's sacrificial, and you still carry on trusting in Christ, speaking of Christ in a faithful and steady way, then maybe for yourself you go, phew, I guess I really am a Christian. And I think that's the case with the apostles. Because remember, up to this point, the church is growing and growing and growing and growing. And they're being more and more successful. This is the first and very successful mega church. And I wonder, I wonder if the apostles are looking around at the church and going, wow, things are going too well. We are being too comfortable. We've gotten off too many times for preaching gospel boldly and not having faced the same kind of response that Jesus did a response of opposition, of hostility, and maybe even threats of death. And I think this verse is so important. It's a very good corrective when we do face dishonor for the sake of the name. What are we going to do? Are we going to moan? Understandable. Are we going to pray? Yes, we should. 
but are we going to rejoice? That's a very counterintuitive thing. Rejoice. Thank God that He counts us worthy. That God says, you know, who am I going to cause to suffer dishonor for, for the name today? Oh, that guy. <laughs> that guy who, who, is, um, who is, you know, who is causing trouble for me. Or that guy who's been serving me so faithfully and preaching the gospel. You know what? I'm going to cause this. I'm going to bring suffering upon him because that guy is going to show even more faithfulness, even more godliness even more patience and humility in the face of this opposition and everyone will see that he's doing it for the name of the Jesus Christ. Yeah. Heavenly Father, uh, this is a very difficult test <laughs> for us, for our motivations, because I wonder, I wonder if we will fail. Lord, be gentle with us, be gracious with us, but also strengthen us in our faith. Help us to rejoice in the right things bearing the name of Christ and sharing the salvation of Christ that comes through his death and his resurrection. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Ooh. Do, do, do. No, that's the wrong button. This is the button. Bye.